0: So you're a huge fan of Atlanta United,
1: and you want Dave to give you the latest insights to our
0: tactics. Pineda five in the back? Are you kidding me? Or maybe you can't f and believe we signed Don Dwyer, and you want to hear Mikey Dobbs rant about it. Well, you've come to the right place. I'm David Katz, and I'm Mike Dobbs, and this is, is the, the ATL on, on Fire podcast. podcast.
1: Everybody, welcome back! It's another episode of AETL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club, and we're about to stop talking about Atlanta United Football Club <laughs> because uh, we're, why we're, we're not going to, we're not going to the playoffs. Dave, are you sure? It's uh, finally confirmed. Oh. we can stop scraping with some hope. Carmen, I know you and I were hopeful, but uh, I think the realism was it was never going to happen. Yeah, to the bitter end, I was hopeful, but yeah, oh well. So Dave, you brought us a wonderful bottle of wine tonight, because i always looking at the vintage. I know whether you're treating us right or wrong, and that doesn't mean everything, but 2017. Yep. Italian Chianti.
0: Familia Castellani.
1: Anything else do you know about this wine?
0: You ever had it before? I've had it. It's delicious. <laughs> I really don't know that much about Italian wine. So, I mean, it's a very nice Chianti. I've become
1: a big fan. The Cab uh, Farmer's Market's got a nice selection. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. we've been doing the, uh, I forget the region, but I'll you. I'll we no it. longer
0: have to be superstitious and, yeah. you know, bring the, I was bringing the really, really good wines and we were losing. And so then I kind of knocked it down a bunch. Yeah. And that was helping. Obviously, <laughs> um, so but then we're out of the playoffs, so now I can bring the fancy wine again. So we, that's how I roll. We only have one game to recap. We're yeah. kind
1: of, we're on our game again, um, and you know, I I watched the game. Uh, I'm. It's one of those things where I'm I'm. You just know it was a bad game from my memory of it. I just remembered not being pleased throughout the entire game. Should we go over our predictions from last podcast? Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, our predictions were we should we should win. You said, but you we won't. they
0: were going to win, but then you qualified it by saying that if we played the lineup that we were talking That's about, okay. which yeah. was very unlikely. Right. So that was kind well. Of, let's you know. let's start with the lineup. Then is that fair? Well, I wanted to start with one more thing before that. I just wanted to set the stage for this. Right? Okay, so we have to win, and and I predicted that Pineda would blow it. And he would get out coached uh, by Bruce Arena, and we would lose on the road in horrible fashion. So that was pretty much right. Uh, <laughs> but but set the stage right. So our so called, you know resurgence if you will you know the team was playing better according to everybody but i wanted to point out and i and I, I sent you and carmen this uh before the game right that so in our last 10 games leading into this final match against new england we had scored 16 goals okay of those 16 goals right Parata scored five right five five <laughs> <laughs> Gutman. Three. Scored three. Right. Joseph Martinez scored three. Almada scored three. Three. Sosa scored one. And Cisneros scored one ten games ago. Right. Okay. Oh. So I think. That's the important thing with Cisneros. Ten games ago. Ten games. So he hadn't scored in the previous nine. Nine despite starting he wasn't starting the last few of them because he got replaced by Dom Dwyer, but he started most of the early part of that Dom Dwyer started the end part of it. And the bottom line is neither one of them scored in all those starts. Um, So, okay, here's the three observations. So first of all, um, The defenders in the last 10 games had scored 10 of the 16 goals. I included Sosa. If you don't include him, it's 9 out of 16. But in regardless. He's a defensive player. He, yeah, he's a real defensive player. <laughs> what do you think it says about the team when your defenders have scored 10 of the last 16 goals? Well, it means that, you know, you've got it all backwards. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is this is it this, is this a trick question I mean, no no I, it's an actual question it's Just actually right it, i mean i'm it, asking you i don't it, really know the answer no it, it, it means you have it all backwards dave yeah. because it means that the <laughs> you know what we talked about even through injuries right we've still had people who are healthy who are attacking players right and we've been talking about it all season on this podcast that Pineda has been um too liberal with his um uh not holding the back six back right so that there is a very strong cushion of defense with the back four and the two that are in front and yeah you're going to score if you break if you don't play that way so i think that's why we um have seen goals because you know he likes to push people up and yeah i mean over time you are going to get some goals from a talented player like Gutman. um Or Sosa, who knows how to rip a shot. But even
0: Gutman, actually, I think at least one of them, maybe two of them, came when he was playing one of the three center backs. So, um, you know, all of our wide glory, right? All the wide play that we've had, um, they haven't scored. (laughs) Right? It's just it's double ironic, right? Because it's not just a defender scoring. The the defenders who don't go up very much who are scored. Well, I think I mean, and pa- I think I missed one. I think Franco scored one in well, there. I think you got to give Parata
1: credit too for the five he had. I mean, I think four of those, were at least with his head, if not all of them. I
0: think they're all with his head, right? So, yeah, <laughs>
1: um, you know, that's just smart by getting him up there. So you just got to give him credit for uh, doing the right thing and getting his head on the ball and putting the net. So that's kudos to Parata for the five, right? And maybe that's a little bit of an anomaly on why it's so high. But it does um, beg the question of why we're not scoring goals with the offensive talent that we have with Almada, who's doing okay, but maybe not as well as he should. Certainly, Joseph Martinez, the numbers could be higher. We'll talk about that on why he hasn't been starting. Uh, Araujo, Ujo, uh, a real head scratcher. I think as the season went on, he's almost like frustrated at this point, obviously, and um, you know, he has been moved around a lot, so he's been asked to go into his not-inverted position, and then all of a sudden you see him in on the right side again, and Moreno's not in the game. There's just... It's just... It's not adding up on how you get the most uh, from our, our attacking team, and I think this last game, Dave, when you look at the starting lineup, it mm-hmm. speaks to maybe not exactly the question you're asking, but, boy... You know, have you seen anybody – have you seen – when's the last time we saw Brooks, Lennon, or uh, Amar Setic score a goal? Or Cisneros, to your point. It was 10, 10 games ago.
0: Setic, zero. Is, is Len, <laughs> does Lennon have
1: any? Maybe one, I'm guessing. I don't know. No. But uh, certainly not a powerhouse. Ari Uja has been off. Yeah. But I think that's because of all the shifting
0: around um, – I don't think you know. A lot of people think he was going to score. He didn't really score even when he was at Lille. I don't think he's a score guy. He's yeah. a very offensive, creative guy. But right, and maybe in this league he could score some goals. But um,
1: but right, if if you play him like we've been saying, which is yeah. bomb down the left and whip in yeah, yeah. A, a cross, which he's fully capable of, with yeah. you know Joseph Martinez Moreno and Almada coming yeah. in. Goals all day. So the starting lineup against New England,
0: Dave, was... Wait, can we get one more second before we get to that? do it. So the other two things I wanted to point out about this is that... So second thing is... Um, Joseph Martinez, despite not starting any of those matches, really, maybe he started one or two in there, but basically, despite not starting them at all, right, he has scored three goals, right, so he's outscored Cisneros, he's outscored Don Dwyer, those are the guys who've been starting all the matches, right, he's only coming in for the last few minutes, and he's equal scoring with Almada, right, and, and you brought up some interesting statistics, so maybe you'll tell people.
1: Yeah. So, you know, w- what got me looking at the statistics, and, and it was funny, we totally agreed. And that's exactly what I was looking for this little nugget of data on the 33 games and who is leading the league in goals, which is Mukhtar from Nashville. He's got like 23 goals, I think. Yep. Joseph Martinez has nine goals. Nine. Mukhtar has double the minutes right. of. Joseph Martinez. <laughs> right. Okay. So now I'll just, uh, what, what's also happened on Twitter with all of the people talking about it is like in, in me saying he should have started all this time Yeah, and particularly start when you see Cisneros and Dom Dwyer's goals not happening. It's not that, you know, I, I'm okay with him at that part of the season. Um, that, that mid part when Joseph was just getting back from injury, Cisneros had to be knocked off his pedal a little bit, but you know what? He didn't do anything to stay on that pedal stool and at some point, the rice and and chicken's gonna flip, <laughs> and it did, and rightfully so. When you go six games of up. a guy who's younger than the star player in the team, uh, not scoring goals, this is this is damning to Pineda, in my opinion, and it's why there was that conflict. But that data talks to what probably could have happened that he could have had probably six or seven goals uh, in that time frame. Sure, and. You know, for all the people out there who say... Even well,
0: with as terrible as we were offensively. Yeah,
1: and and but... We the, didn't score a lot of goals. But the Twitter argument out there was a he can't go 90 anymore. And I call BS on that if we yep. play the right way. It's right. not like he... Even in that game where he came in in the 54th minute against New England, it wasn't like he's running around. I mean, that's not his style of play, particularly right. with the talent we've talked about we have on this team. He can be that poacher... He can be a pure number nine. doesn't mean he doesn't need to work back sometimes, but it's not like he needs to be, like, the marathon guy in the field.
0: I think it's interesting. There are some statistics about, you know, Martinez maybe needs to go, and then they were like, okay, he hasn't, you know, he's, like, almost like in the bottom 10% in pressing of all forwards. But I'm like, he's been in the bottom 10% of pressing all forwards yeah. even when we won the MLS title in 2018,
1: right? So what is the difference? And and I want to say, because I was, you know, very questioning of Joseph Martinez's future as a soccer player at the beginning of the season, yeah. right? And, you know, I think is where where I got off of that, right, is he was scoring out of the gates yep. when, when he had minutes, and then he had the, you know, the, the light, fixed on his knee and was out for what, like a month or a month? And, you know, and by all accounts, right, it was like a pretty minimal surgery and supposedly he was able to get back pretty quickly. And that's everything Joseph has said to on his recovery. Like he was like ready to go and it's okay to be conservative, like one or two games. But then if the player is like, Hey dude, I'm ready to go and he's your guy and this is his window. He might have like one or two, like, you know, all-star type of seasons left in him. Why not let the guy play, Dave? Like, and and, and now I've busted on him early early in the season. Like, maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he doesn't have it. But then you look at the data, right? And is supposed to be a data driven type of coach. It, it was clear as day that you should at least give him a chance to prove that he can do it. And if not, then give him three games and be like, hey, man, I gave you the chance. I
0: just don't see how Pineda is a data-driven coach with some of his decisions. No, but, <laughs> but I, I,
1: you're right. But I think you're the one who's saying, he, you know, from his Seattle heritage, yeah, he was supposed uh, to be. Heritage, all, he was yeah, supposed to be right? I'm just saying and that. Stuff, but but, 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 clearly not. I mean, when I looked at that spreadsheet of the data I pulled, I was just shocked.
0: Yeah, I think he's a coach who, I mean, one thing that has revealed is, is that as the season went on, and this happens when teams are losing, but um, he kind of is definitely holding grudges against people.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. He's stubborn, not in a stubborn, even just in a tactic way. Like, you know, they're players who are, I mean, we always go back to Moreno, right? So, okay. Maybe Martinez is, is controversial because arrows come and all his other, you know, outbursts, but, there's no, nobody said anything like that about Moreno. And yet he was the leading player of minutes and the leading score for the first third of the season. Yep. And in the last third of the season, he basically didn't play at all. So what, what happened? Yeah. We, yeah. We,
1: right? don't, yeah, we and no one seems to know. Um, so but yeah, I do think, yeah. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. He's holding grudges. He's got very yep. um, bullish opinions on, whether the person's practicing hard, whether they have the right attitude or there's something else um, that that's a factor, but certainly not enough of a factor for Moreno to be not on the bench. Right. And not being subbed in. And that's what really gets me like, even in this last new England game, just, I mean, so heated that we, you know, I'm fine with everything out of the back with,
0: Yeah, so let's go to your starting lineup now.
1: With Goudinho as goalkeeper, yes, it's our only option. Um, (laughs) And then we've got, you know, Parata and Franco in the middle. We've got Gutman and Hernandez on the right. Now, a lot of people out there probably, it's funny, I think people don't think of Hernandez as the proper starting right back, but we do. He's very defensive. He's a Venezuelan national starter um, or gets starting minutes often there.
0: Yeah, in the in the he, third minute of this game, right? Hernandez is tracking back, and there's a cross from the enti- from the opposite side from Gutman's side, right? And he comes flying back in at the last minute and uh, makes a great clearance to poke it over our own end line, wide of yeah. the goal. Like going back to his own goal, right. I have never seen Lennon make that play never. ever. Right. That's a true defender. Right. Um, And that honestly saves the goal. I think, to be honest, if that's Lennon in there from the beginning, that's one, nothing.
1: So that's our, that's our back. And I'm good with, good with that. Um, And here's where it starts to fall apart or, or wait after Sosa, who's sitting in front of those four. Yep. Perfect. Now, at least on paper, Dave, the way that they had it on online here is it's a, a four, three, three. And, on the right side, you've got um, a Marsetic Sosa in the middle, and then to the left we have um uh, Almada. Almada,
0: but that's not actually how they're playing it. So
1: that's what was curious. It, that's that's how they put it on paper. It didn't seem. Yeah. That's why I'm bringing. It, it didn't seem like they played that way. No. Um, so okay, I'm assuming you've got you know Almada slightly in front of Sosa. In the middle somewhere. Yeah,
0: it's Almada and Sadik, uh sort of right in front of Sosa a little bit as a okay. three center mid. So, so nobody's out. It so, it
1: so it's really more of like a four-one-two.
0: Three or to be honest with you, it's basically a 4-5-1, right? Because yeah. Araujo and Lennon are playing basically as wingers, as midfielders, yeah. right? There's a three, you know, a defensive and two attacking midfielders in the center and only really one yeah. up top.
1: So, yeah, on on the paper here is not really how they play. But anyways, a 4-3-3. Or or four five. It two. depends
0: whether you describe a four three three or four five one. All it depends on yeah, whether so. those wingers are are forward. You know, then it's four three three. If they're back, it's a four five yeah. one, right? And and I would have said that Araujo and Lennon are not the kind of guys who are up all the time, so it's much more yeah. of a four five one. But
1: but what struck me is just asinine. Is like at least on the paper is like on the right side you've got Hernandez, uh, Amar Sedek, and Lennon, like all three of them how i mean go ahead and just move those guys out of hernandez's way cuz hernandez can just play defense and if he needed to make a run up the wing the rest of them are just probably killing space for people who know how to take it like yeah. almada and what would be uh, joseph martinez ironically
0: hernandez is actually really really helping Pineda because he's bad at what Pineda wants him to do right yeah. Pineda wants the outside backs to bomb forward that's the, yeah. the only consistent thing that's been all season and hernandez is not good at it and he's not he doesn't feel comfortable doing it so he tends to hang back but, a little bit
1: <laughs> but why would you so sorry just talking to this lineup right so it's yeah. just on paper again it was a 4-3-3 is yeah. how they have it on the official site here Yeah. So, you know, across the middle three, you've got Amar Sedeck on the right, Sosa in the middle in front of the back four, right. and Araujo uh, on the left, right? The left, yeah. And then in in front of that, you have uh, who is in front of Araujo?
0: Nobody. The front three. No, is no, Era sorry. Ujo, so sorry. So, so, so
1: sorry. Now I got the, the middle three yeah, wrong. It was uh, Amar Sedeck, Sosa, and Almada. Right and then in front of Amade you have Araujo, right. Cisneros and Lennon. Right. Of course, you know I want Lennon off the field and uh, Moreno in, you know I want Setic off the field and Calderbara Josetu in whatever whatever you prefer based on the game and this one I'd probably say Huzetu. Um, but why in the, I mean regardless of the formation why would you put a Mercedic like in Almada's space to if, if it's a you know up up in front it just makes no sense mm-hmm. especially when you have like someone out on the right that you know Almada's gonna be able to play it out wide to Lennon if you wanted it to be Lennon to start I'm okay with that again I would say Moreno would be my preferred but you know Almada be able to whip those little kind of nice little arcing passes out to Lennon Lennon could put a cross in into somebody to score mm-hmm. so it just felt all wrong to me in terms of the players and at least what was on paper as far as the start. I think
0: lineup. Lennon as a, whether he's a winger or whether he's one of the three forwards. Um, that's a I'm a more comfortable with him on that role than I am as a right back, particularly in this system because as a right back, he's he's not yeah. good defensively.
1: And, and also another thing I want to bring up again: this is a total change from everything we've seen before, <laughs> right? This is not consistency, like it. Yeah. It you know.
0: Well, we've been playing this formation now for the for the sets of games where we were playing better. It was Dom Dwyer was the only one who was different in this lineup, but everybody else was the same
1: you well, but but okay, fair enough but at least so how does the paper get put like this then because at least on the official paper it doesn't
0: line up like this no that's just some that's just wrong that's just that's okay a, when they you know this coach just put down something and whatever and and what that means is that. Pineda sees it a little bit more as Lennon and Araujo are forwards rather than wingers, right? So that's the four three yeah. three aspect. So he's playing no, but that's not correct in that he's playing nobody out wide as a winger if those guys are forwards. The three set the three guys are all central. It's Almada, Sadich, and Sosa in a, yeah. like a triangle, yeah. right? With Sosa being the the base of the triangle. The point of the triangle is at the at the defensive, yeah, right.
1: But wh- so, exactly. So, w- that's my point, is why would you put a Marcedic anywhere in front or side next to <laughs> Almada? Well, why that's would exactly you put him a, in the
0: game to begin with?
1: A, a, <laughs> a, no, that's what I'm saying. I feel like we'd almost be better off. So, with, what does Sadich
0: give you? If
1: he got pulled off the field, I think we'd have been better off.
0: So, you know, Sadich is supposed to be an attacking player, but he hasn't scored. He doesn't score. He's terrible defensively, yep. right? You know, Jose tu hasn't scored either, which is surprising. But Jose tu, I think, you know... Sadich, it, to be honest with you, maybe if you give him something, you'd say maybe he's capable of delivering, you know, the killer pass. Maybe even better than Josetu but he's not capable of playing, you know, keep it moving on fast, right? right as Hosetu does, he's not as de- good defensively as Ibara. And if you look at our team, right, you need either an extra defender in there, which is probably the answer, or at least you need a guy who's going to move it on to the other guys quickly. You know, if you're Sadich, right and you're good at, let's say, playing some through balls or whatever, I think that's his strength, yeah. who are you playing to? I mean, the old Araujo for sure, yeah. but Lennon's not going to run by people. Almada's not going to run by people. You know, Cisneros is fast, but he still never runs by yeah. people, right? I, I don't know who he's playing to in this, in this situation. Yeah.
1: Which, a- again, just the more the season has gone on, that four in the back – and two defensively-minded people just right in front of them really makes the most sense for this team. That way, no matter who the front four is, even if you give Cisneros a start every once in a while, or Joseph Martinez, who I think yep. it obviously should be, you you, you have someone like Sosa who can step up into that space, move it quickly out to Arujo or Moreno or Lennon, whoever you want to be out on the right forward side, and it's just... It'll be going like this. Here's the ultimate irony. And we will not be giving up goals because we have Gutman and Hernandez who know what defense is, but they also can make runs up if they need to. The
0: ultimate irony of the whole thing is that the thing that is inhibiting us scoring is Pineda sending the outside backs forward. And the reason why it's inhibiting us scoring is not only are they not open and giving us good options, but it's even worse than that because we cannot win the ball at midfield. We never do it. So we never recycle the ball. We always have to go back. So when you can't win the ball at midfield and they're already up the field and they're not helping us, now you're vulnerable with with the counterattack. You're not winning the ball up the midfield to give your attackers really good possession where they don't have to break down a whole set defense. Right? You're doing nothing of the things that you want. So, ultimately, it is our attacking more that is preventing us from scoring goals. Right. Which is really, you know, ironic. And, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, Pineda was flailing about all year. And the only thing he absolutely refused to concede is that part. He never, no matter what. And we showed it in the ultimate laughable you know yeah. aspect of it where you know as we talked about in last week's podcast when we finally go up by a goal in a game we absolutely need to win he's still doing it yeah. you're like oh, <laughs> what
1: so oh, do God. you want to go to the tape and uh call out a few things in this new england game or are there anything else you want to
0: um sure
1: yeah highlights it is
0: highlights it is so
1: this game what, when did this happen this game was this last Saturday or Sunday?
0: Yes, yeah, Saturday.
1: Okay, Saturday. God, what a beautiful day in Atlanta! Yeah, the weather gorgeous. here has just been stellar. It has been great. Um, <laughs> I think that was the that was the concession of watching a very difficult match. Uh, was it was a nice day? I was cooking a pork butt on the Big Green Egg, Dave. I know you can appreciate that.
0: That is good. Oh, That's it's really great. Good. That sounds really good.
1: Yeah, I got up at seven a.m. Got the charcoal ready. Had the thing ready to go by 8 o'clock, dialed into 225, and
0: yeah. So if you go, um, Carmen, to the 12th minute, um, which I actually don't have the time of the clip, because I've been. You're ill-prepared. Yeah, we are (laughs) ill-prepared. There you go. It's just after this one.
1: I got to put on my glasses anyway, so
0: all right so basically i'll set the stage right this is um exactly what we were talking about last week right so one of the things that we said is is that
1: this the one you have the still photo of where everybody's yes, stacked up on the top but you can
0: show it on the highlights first it's a yeah. little bit further back it's in the 12th minute carmen oh back to 15 yeah just before this um anyway so we're trying to play the ball in midfield right and yeah. um uh, we have the classic so our our two backs are are Parada and Franco are pretty far up the field. They're only like 10 or 15 yards beyond, you know, in our own half, right? The outside backs have bombed forward, right? They're really far forward. And um, so, and they're not under a huge amount of pressure. And we were talking about this, right? right? You were saying, I was saying this is a nightmare, right? Because if you're a coach, you don't want to play against a completely set team with your outside backs out and stationary because you're asking your center back to split the line and if they make a mistake you're now counterattack city and they're going to give up a goal right and we were talking about how well you know it depends on a you should be able to execute that and i said here's the Mm -hmm. problem though as soon as you execute that if they're all set you know you split the lines to almada let's say and even almada who's our best player on the ball right he's going to be closed down tons of space you know and then he has his only really good option is to play it right back to parata or franco or even all the way back to the goalkeeper because if he tries to turn in that moment and gives it up we are in big big trouble right and the, my, my my what i said about that is i have two problems with it a is too dangerous coming out of the back but i'm okay with danger if it really going to get you something fantastic, yeah. if you're going to take that chance, it better be for a situation where if you execute it, you're going to have a really good chance. And my point is, even if Almada makes an amazing turn and executes it, he's just one step up the field. They still got everybody comfortable back.
1: So now I want one con- uh, counter argument yeah. to that. I know it's a different level, but just in terms of that idea, yeah. playing out of the back in the EPL is the standard. You could argue that if you make a pass like that in the EPL and the guy gives it up at the top of the 18, counterattack City from the worst plot spot possible. They do that all day long on Saturdays in the EPL.
0: Um, yes. And, and, the, yes reason, and no. the
1: reason they can do it confidently is yeah. they are just that much better on the yeah. skill on the ball. And that's and that was my argument the other day with Peraza not being pressured he should have the skill to play to a highly skilled player like Amada, who hopefully will play at the EPL level at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that. That was my counterpoint but here's to the thing, that, though. that whole thing.
0: Here's the thing, like Dibs, is that even when you see it executed in the Premier League, it doesn't lead to goals in the Premier League either. Right? You do not it score does. goals. Not very often. Most of the goals in the Premier League are coming off of Counterattack situation or winning the ball further up the field and turning yeah. it over. But no right, of, there's, the, of the there's, free play, There's
1: some there are some goals that Not happen pre- pretty frequently from boneheaded playing out of the back EPL games.
0: Boneheaded, you mean giving it away out of the back.
1: Well, right. Which is the same thing as I'm
0: just saying I'm no I'm talking about offensively. So if you split the lines well, Right, and let's say Parata plays to Almada and he turns Which ball, is what whatever. you're about to talk to yeah. on the highlight right. here. But let's say in the Premier League, which they do that all the time, they might execute it more and not screw it up. Right. But my point is, even when they execute it properly in the Premier League, it doesn't lead to a counter and a goal against you. But it also doesn't lead to a goal for you. You hardly ever break a team down from the back completely against the set team. It hardly ever happens. I'm not saying it's never happened, but it's very rare.
1: Sometimes. I mean, I feel like I see it a lot in the EPL. Like (laughs) the statistics say you're wrong. (laughs) They are. They are so fast, though, sometimes like coming out of the back, like when it really breaks and they play like three really nice passes in a row. Everybody's off to the races, especially when Erling Holland's on your team. Ugh.
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, if you play the clip, was where they got the highlights is sort of right at the end here. We've already given up the ball, and it goes on the breakaway. So just let it play, and you'll see the, what happens, and then right. I'll set A the, the stage. Line the cheap giveaway. Full-out give sprint. And he's going to take the shot off the bar. Yeah. So he runs 40 yards. For okay, McNamara. you can pause it. Um, so he runs 40 yards with Almada chasing him the whole time. But here's here's the damning thing, right? So Almada gave up the ball, and he chases him down and does a, at least a decent job putting a little under pressure. But he get gives up the ball, and that guy runs 40 yards, never makes a move, never does anything straight through. And none of the defenders are even in the picture, Yeah. right? And that's a problem, right? So that's what I'm saying. Now, I'm going to show you. Do you have the, the photo? Can you pull up the photo that I have? Yes, sir.
1: Thank goodness we have Carmen back. It's so much more relaxing, dude. Uh, <laughs> I was so stressed out, oh, Carmen, one, last one. week. Like the other one? Yeah.
0: Trying to figure it all out. This, this is so one. nice. Okay, awesome. This is beautiful. This is way better. <laughs> so I know, right? It's all coming together. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you guys can thank Carmen for the better clip. So what I have it is I had I, I took a picture of the television, right? And I paused it right at, at the moment before that, right? So what's happened here is that's pirata on the ball, right and actually there's it looks like we have three back in the middle in the uh, three in the back but it's what it is is it's Sosa who's dropped in between the in between the back two and as you can see he's taken off up the field because Parata has the ball right and so he's like oh we're trying to split the lines i'm going to go up the field we're not going to lose it here right so basically it's a situation we're talking about Parata's under slight pressure but he's not yeah. really under pressure he's going to play forward and Almada is checking back to the ball, right? And he's in a fair amount of space, but um New England is very organized. And so what's going to happen here is that as soon as Parata plays the ball into Almada, Almada's going to be under pressure from three players. And so Almada is at the top of the screen in this image. He's the one. There's one guy who's all the way out on the touchline, that's actually Hernandez. Who's standing literally oh, on the touchline? You can yeah. hardly It see looks him. like he's going to sub in, right? Yeah, but, but, but he's, no. In
1: front of him's Almada. That's our
0: right back in a shambolic. But in front of him's position, Almada, right?
1: which which Parata is looking straight at him. Is yeah. going to play. And him.
0: you can't actually see. So, there's a little glare, but there are, there are two. There's two New England players who are running straight yeah, at Almada. Okay, but here's where I'm already just going to say, yeah.
1: Sorry, this is my whole point. Like Almada, absolutely. Should never lose the ball from a pass that's being I played agree. by tim. and it doesn't mean that there's not. Like, but I'm just saying, like statistically, that shouldn't happen because you shouldn't lose the ball there. Like that should not happen as a pro player, okay? Because you are putting your team at risk, no matter what.
0: With if you can't. And he doesn't really lose the ball. What he does is he, he, so what happens is they play it to him. He traps it beautifully, but those two guys from new England come up and pressure him right on the back. And the forward actually drops back and they get three guys around the ball. Right. Uh, and so when that happens, he actually makes a beautiful touch. He, he dribbles out of it a little bit. And then he tries to beat both defenders with a little slip ball.
1: You're right. I remember and that he
0: makes a bad pass and he turns it over. Yeah. Right. So he doesn't lose the ball, but he's trying to create something. And my point is, you know, if he creates that, let's say he makes a brilliant move, which he usually does. And he creates that. And I think he actually, to be honest, he tries to play Sosa coming out of the back playing through. Uh, But let's say he slips Sosa in and we break that line right that's really good for us because yep. we now have Sosa running in space and they have all the backs but they still have their four backs they have their defensive midfielder back right it's not like it created a situation where we're definitely going to get a chance so can i ask
1: you just looking this yeah. this still i don't know what do you remember what happens next with hernandez
0: hernandez is out there the whole time he never but hardly moves
1: hardly moves right which Is that the problem, though? Like, if we are a defensive-minded team, (laughs) right? And you say, hey, anytime Almada gets the ball, let him be creative, and you always check back into a more defensive position. If that is the coaching remit, then Hernandez should be moving back immediately as Perata makes that pass to cover any sort of counterattack that could happen if a skilled player like Almada loses it. Trying to take somebody on creatively. Cause that's what we want. That's exactly what we're saying. We actually want Amada in this exact situation to be able to turn, take people on. If Hernandez is back. If uh, well, I if Gutman is back. Because back. who's on the front of the screen here on the 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 left back type of position
0: here? Franco's looking like the left back. And you can't even see Gutman. He's so far up the field. He's actually so cut who's, off.
1: Who's that in the the dead center back? Is that Sosa?
0: Sosa's dead in the center back. Yeah, why is that happening? He's dropped in between the back two, which is what their solution is, so that we don't have two in the back, right? He's had this all season, right? He's had the center back either dropping. So, but this is highlighting. This
1: is highlighting exactly what we've been talking about. So, why if you would you could say that Hernandez is too far up here if Gutman's up at equal position, right? Equal, basically. We're saying only let one of them go up, and in this case, again, we've got two up. And now that's forcing Sosa back. I
0: would argue you should have zero up in this case because if you're right. playing out of the back Correct. and Parata has the well, ball.
1: Well, yeah, yes and no. I, I think Hernandez has to be up wide a little bit yeah. to, to, to open the space for yes. Almada. But Gutman should certainly not be up. He should be back so Sosa can be up and then you, everything shifts more to the cent, the central well, this mid. This is being, what I
0: was talking to you about. Instead of playing Almada there, they're skipping a pass. So if, if, if Hernandez was back, Twenty yards or whatever, basically standing right at midfield. Then Parata plays him a very easy ball. Right. He gets to lick his head up, and now we're playing from there into Almada. Yeah. If that pass gets intercepted, Parata's still back right in the middle. We don't give up a breakaway. Yeah, right. It's just stupid, right? It's stupid on so many levels. And in the Premier League, you don't see it because normally there's a there's an outside back he plays to. Right, right, and and there's no. There's no gap like that. You also wouldn't have Franco so wide like that, right? I mean, it's just, it's a crazy aggressive formation from here, right? They are hyper aggressive right here. And my point is, right, so look at the start of the play, right? Is, is Hernandez at right back or is Gutman actually helping you at all? No. Can he play either of those
1: players? No, and in fact, right, I mean, I'm assuming is, I don't know what the, yeah, Araujo's over there somewhere.
0: Why would you need Gutman over there? So his only option is to try and force a, a split-the-lines ball, which is what we were talking about. And oh. when you're playing that into there, that's what they want. They want Parata to yeah. play into there I where s- they can now pressure Almada with three guys <laughs> and hope that he makes a mistake.
1: I appreciate that we're bringing up the same points of the, the outside backs, but I think this is very different than the last play where we were really talking more of like a long ball or a longer breaking of the lines. Probably breaking two lines is what I think would have happened in the last one we were analyzing. Yeah. This is... This is basic ticky tack soccer that to your point, why not play just wide to Hernandez, play to into Almada, right. and then off for the rest, is it a little more
0: compact, a little more safe on, on any sort of a counter? We get nothing offensively out of this. If I'm a, again, if I, as I said to you last week, if I'm the New England coach, I'm drooling at this scenario because I'm like, good luck. Go ahead and try to play into our totally set up organized defense. You're going to have to, even if you make it a brilliant play, right, we're still fine defensively. And if you make a mistake here, we're gonna get a breakaway or ram it down your throat
1: but even just to this for the watchers that see this on youtube imagine a world where gutman is back that's i think the most important takeaway right even if you just simplify it to that day
0: gutman is back and hernandez is is much further back yeah yeah
1: and just a whole shift that kind
0: then Sosa doesn't have to do this right. madness about running in between our own two backs, right? Sosa would be up the yeah. field, and then yeah, right? and if Sosa's up the field, then now I'll... there's no way for them to run through our middle at yeah. all,
1: right? And then yeah, Almada's making that run from a little deeper back, and, which makes that an option and or out wide to Hernandez again, and
0: granted most of the time when you try to build out of the back like this as i was saying to you like this is not how you score goals in modern soccer it doesn't happen very often where you start with your center backs they have all 11 behind the ball and you break them down and score it it happens and you want to you still want to break those lines because The reason you want to break the lines here is not necessarily to score. I mean, yes, of course, you want to score, but that happens so rarely. The reason you want to break the lines in this kind of scenario is so now you can turn the tables on them, force them to make a bad mistake and give it to you in a good spot. But the problem with Atlanta United is we never do that. Ever. And the reason why we can't do that is you're seeing it right here, right? Gutman and uh, Gutman and um, Hernandez are so far up the field, we can't press anything when we lose the ball, yeah, right? And for what? They are not offering us an option until, right. you know, I mean, I think what, what Pineda would say is, well, we got what we want. You know, we can play to Almada, and now when Almada gets the split line ball, he gets a turn, and now he has a secondary option. But when he does that, I'll tell you what happens. Right. So let's say we play Almada and he makes a brilliant, brilliant turn and he's able to play a 40 yard ball across to Goodman, who's presumably wide, wide open. Yeah. Right. The problem is two problems. Right. One is that he's actually really the biggest problem is he's just standing. Right. He's not has no momentum. So by yeah. the time he collects the ball, Turns it up the field and tries to go, the whole defense shifts over. Yeah. And all of that, you know, yes, it's better than us losing the ball here, but all of that didn't create anything for us. It doesn't help us offensively at all, yep. right? And so what you'd rather have here is if Goodman was all the way at left back, right? And he's able to play into Almada like he is. And now Almada gets his head up and he can play across to Goodman. Goodman's now running into space. And now Gutman can actually push the ball beyond that line, and he's broken the line on a dribble. Now one of the backs has to step up to address him, and now we're in a good spot. Yeah. Right? But right now if we cross it to Gutman, he's not going to break the line anyway because he's standing, and there's no way anybody is fast enough right. to trap the ball, move it. Maybe Araujo but but he's not Gutman, right? I think this is, is to still down the essence of what's awful about Atlanta United. Yeah. and we were talking about it and i said we're creating we get nothing out of it offensively and we're risking giving up a breakaway and as you saw here we give up the ball and what happens carmen
1: they almost score yeah Hit they the should have I mean, scored we got was, lucky we got really very lucky. very
0: lucky it's as lucky as it gets right and that guy had to do nothing he didn't beat a single player he was able to dribble 40 yards and come straight in on godinho
1: so, uh, how did they get their first goal? Was that the PK?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yes, I, I don't yes, know if we yes. want to
1: bring that up on the highlights. But, um, so, two things on that. Clearly not a penalty kick. Um, is Goudinho clumsy? Sure. But... Yeah,
0: bring up. You should show the highlight. But all, so, that's in the, the 30-second I, I, I minute. Wa-
1: you, it's really hard in the highlight, Carmen, to to get the 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 slow motion so yeah this is kind of it here he the 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 offensive guy for new england cuts right in front of goodini the ball is 20 feet in the air out of playing distance of either player um so it's it's completely up for grabs but goodini is coming out on a beeline every every right to be going for the ball and the new england guy just sees this as an opportunity to like hit the brakes and back up kind of into the keeper yeah. as the keeper's coming classic out
0: classic try to draw a foul
1: yeah we classic try to draw the foul but the ball is 20 feet in the air it's not in playing distance of the offensive player the ball
0: had a horrible spin on it which yeah. i could see right away i'm like yeah. what are cleared. you doing See the spin on it? And he just yeah. totally misjudged the spin. May yeah. very well be a I mean, foul inside the I mean, to box. me,
1: that is uh, classic a obstruction. Right there, look at him. He yeah. just obstructs the goalkeeper. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing. Of course. And you mean to tell me video assistant referee can't see that? He backed up right into him at the last second. Well,
0: here's the interesting thing, and we've talked about it a little bit if you pause it.
1: And Gudino looks guilty because... He's kind of like a big bear coming out, but that is not his fault. And that should never be called a penalty.
0: I've told you something. And I think maybe you've disagreed with me a little bit. VAR, the way it's set up is not actually the job of VAR is not actually to get the call. Right. That's not the way it's set up. I mean, I agree. I I think that it should be but That's not the way it's, it's, it's basically to overturn a clear and obvious error. Right. And so once there's contact like that, Right. V.A.R. is not involved at all. The referee has made a decision in, in a way place. So the right. only thing you could say is that there was no contact. V.A.R. does not have the opportunity to say, look, you know, I think that was obstruction. And now I think it should. I think the V.A.R. referee should say, you know what? I think you're not going to like they that. Do, they one." They do it
1: with everything else. Yeah, I think you're not going to like. doodle that with everything else. Wanna...
0: Take another yeah. look.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, come on. You know they've got headphones on there for them to say, "Hey, that might have been obstruction." They can't even say that. That's no, a that's not against, allowed.
0: They're not allowed. No. No, that's not a that's not in the remit of uh yeah. of VAR, which is terrible. Because I agree with you. I don't think I. So think are they allo- the referee, are they allowed
1: to say that might be uh that that might be a, a worse foul because it's a red card or a yellow card? I don't think they can do that. Yes. They, so why, why is obstruct, obstruction not allowed for the VAR? I'm just curious. Asking for a friend. Well, <laughs> they just have to say, you know. Asking for me. Thank you, Mike. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, clear and obvious error, right? So anytime a guy is dribbling and they go for a penalty kick so call.
1: In, in the EPL, though, they did this other the other day where uh, there was a really bad, like, kick on somebody's ankle. I forget which game it was. Like, some, somebody, and there was a red card. It was a yellow card initially, and then he came back and threw the red card, which I thought was really harsh. And uh, what What game was that? Um, I don't don't remember. It was one of the it was the Tottenham game, Tottenham Arsenal game. Okay, so it was like the big one of the biggest derbies of the year, right? Right. And they on VAR said, "Hey, take take another look at that." And he came back and gave him gave him a red, and it shouldn't have been. But anyway, sorry I cut you off. But that's an example where I don't don't know why they can do it for that instance and not for obstruction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think. Both things are true, which is it wasn't a penalty, shouldn't have been a penalty, but it also was awful goalkeeping, right? He never should slam into him like that and give him the opportunity, yeah. right? It, it suggests that I think what it suggests to me is that so Godinho is way, way better than Rios Novo, yeah. way better. I mean, just lights night and day better. Yeah. Is Godinho our option? Like, you know, if we had a chance to sign him permanently, Mm, I don't know. It, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. It didn't look like he was coordinated or yeah, hitting or hitting yeah. the weight room. Yeah.
0: Well, he's <laughs> tall and he makes good saves, but he yeah. doesn't seem lightning quick or anything, yeah. and um, he seems a little awkward the way he moves. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But again, obstruction all day long should have not been. To be honest
0: to with you, you know who uh, I, don't, I don't know whether this is saying something bad or good, but yeah, yeah. Um, Alec can. Yeah, right. I think it's the exact same goalkeeper as Godinia. Very good goalkeeper. But but way,
1: way more coordinated from all They both
0: have a very similar, they're big, they're quick on the whatever say, but not quite as good coming out, a little awkward coming out.
1: I mean, Goudini does seem a little lumbering, but again, I'll take that at the end of the day from like a confidence. But because they're
0: really tall, they can make saves. You know, they can get to balls. Exactly. It's just yeah, they can. And they're both athletic enough to get to save. So I think they're both good shot shot stoppers. I think they're both legit MLS goalkeepers. I would say if we went with Goudinho long term, I think he's an absolutely middle of the road MLS goalkeeper. Which honestly. That's all you maybe need. Do you need yeah. – But he, there's no way that he's ever given remotely in a Sean Johnson or, no, um, no, no, no. Um, you right. know, what you would call for Philadelphia from Jamaica. Blake. Blake, Blake. is amazing. He's the best goalkeeper yeah. in the last.
1: He started every game Has with uh, with only like three or four or five other players who have played every minute of every game. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Blake is in that
0: top And Philadelphia five. is probably – Ahead head and shoulders above second place almost exclusively yeah. because of him. He's probably 10 goals good to the good over a whole season. That was
1: the other thing I, when I was looking at the data on um, players who had top uh, played every minute of a game, there's only like five players Yeah, and um, they're all goalkeepers. I think, <laughs> I think, I don't know if you want to look at um, the data here, Carmen. Yeah. Uh, if you sort it by minutes, which I think it is, right? Yeah, it is. The teams that they play for, are all of them in the playoffs, Dave? Yep,
0: pretty yeah. much. Philadelphia, LA. I find that yeah. a
1: kind of an interesting thing. Like, if you have that one healthy player that can play every single game, who you know, probably is a good player uh, in, in most cases here, and uh, that's, a, Bradley that's a big at difference. seven.
0: They're not in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, anyway.
1: Yeah, okay. Maybe I got the data <laughs> wrong here. So then uh, as far as the rest of the game goes, Dave, I I just remember being just disappointed because I'm trying to relax on a Saturday and up until (laughs) late in the game when uh, Joseph Martinez ends up on the field, I think he came on after halftime in the 54th minute.
0: So it was in the second half. I think it was, yeah, somewhere around that 60th, somewhere in there. The first sub, so Martinez, Mosquero, and Jose to come on. And of course, who leaves? Right? Sedic uh, and Cisneros, yeah. the guys who should never yeah. have been in the game to begin with. So, is that, you know, Pineda realizing that, oh, that wasn't such a good decision? Or, anyway. Yes, Ian,
1: yes Dave, it is, because it's ridiculous. I mean, it really is ridiculous that those two, and, and that can't be emphasized enough, I don't think, that Amar Sedic and Cisneros starting this game, we've used the word criminal, it is criminal.
0: <laughs> But you know what the problem is? There's a third sub, right? So two forwards come off, and three attackers go on, right? So how do you think he accommodated that, you want to tell you? Tell me. So he brought off Hernandez. Brought Mascara in, And he brought Lennon back to right back. Okay. But didn't he bring Mascara in at some point? Yeah, Mascara, Roseto, and Martinez all came on. Cisneros, Sadich, and Hernandez went off. So he went back in this critical moment, right? So he, it was a very aggressive sub, but we went back. He changed a bunch of things to get us to the good, right? We, I think you and I would much rather have Martinez. I don't think either of us would have gone with Mascara. We would have gone with Moreno, Moreno. Yeah. right? But it's a little closer to what we want. Okay. Jose is good, you know, coming on. And he is brought Moreno off the two on his naughty bests?
1: list. Why is Moreno on his naughty list? I don't, I don't get know. it, man. But
0: he still makes the error in that he goes back to... One step forward, two steps back, right? Because instead of leaving, you know, you're making an aggressive sub, bringing on two really good attackers. Why not leave Hernandez on? They're, they're doing nothing offensively, right? Right. Um, why, why not? And to be honest, um, if you go to the 70th minute, um, you'll see that Lennon should have cost us the game again, is absolutely horrendous defending, right? He's pinched in so far. Um,
1: so this is... Oh, what? What's the setup here?
0: I think it was... Is it on the highlights? Is it this one? You can let it play. play here. It's either this one or the next one. It is, I think, on the highlights. But. All right. So 70th
1: minute, 70, 33
0: we got yeah right here and he can't get back right Uh, so so go back to the beginning of that play again now that you have it go go back 10 seconds right to where you have it frozen before yeah just leave it there leave it right there right so Lenin is playing right back.
1: It's five v one, Dave. What's wrong with that?
0: <laughs> it, what's wrong with that is because why is Lennon going to be the fifth guy defending? And it's yeah. really more like four v one because Goodman's you know out wide with one guy. But it's four v one. Why is he going to be the fourth guy defending and leaving his guy? Yeah, wide I wonder
1: open? how many frames it would take to find a like a defense in this position in the EPL. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't get but this it. This is man. the
0: problem. So first of all, Lennon's not a, an instinctive defender. Second of all, the re- the coaches have clearly instructed them to pinch in for God only knows what reason. Right. And so that's done two things. So one, he's pinched in way too far because the coaches have told him and he has no instinct for realizing that it's got to get Because we all back. got
1: taught that in college.
0: Guilty. Well, but that's, but Goodman but that's has the some instinct. Goodman, you know, knows when it's, when it's, when it's, when it shouldn't be pinched in anymore. And right. he's like, I don't care what the coach is doing. I have to go out there a little, little bit and address this Lennon right. doesn't and we've seen this now multiple times this season where they just play it across nobody gets beaten here right yeah. Lennon just can't get back to where the guy is so now let it play again Bo is out wide, Bo. and how he doesn't score that how yeah it's yeah. just awful it's just he terrible finishing <laughs> right but I mean
1: so there's two sitters for New England that they should have scored regardless of whether yeah, and they they're both a, coming a off of the kick.
0: classic things that we have been doing all season long. You and I have been talking about it all season long. Right. And so why has nobody addressed that? If you're, I mean, if you're Pineda, right. And you obviously review tape, right. And you go back and review that tape and you say, all right, we gave up a horrible chance. What, what was wrong? What caused that? how could you not freeze it like where we just saw and say, Hey, I know the problem. Yeah. Right.
1: So Dave, you want to go to uh, zonal corner kick marking? Yeah. In this we've game? had
0: this controversy. You know, we've been talking about it all season, uh, the argument over um, whether we're zonal marking on defense. And I have said, yes, we are heavily zonal marking. We only have a couple of guys playing man to man. And I finally got a chance to take a picture again of the screen. And I think, I can prove in this clip that we are zonal marking. Right. So, what if you go to, if you're watching on the YouTube? Well, for the record,
1: I only argued on that one play that we may have been set up (laughs) as man v man.
0: So, yeah. And we weren't. Um, We just looked like we were man v man because the offense happened to be standing right (laughs) next to our zone marking. Fair, fair. (laughs) Because we were in this exact same formation, exact same formation, which is crazy. And you know, it's so, first of all, we do have three man v man marking at the penalty spot, right? We have three v three marking their guys who are going to run. OK, and, you know, ironically, you know, what I have said the whole time is that, you know, the reason only reason to have a zonal player is because sometimes on corner kicks, which is what is a defensive corner, a guy will get picked off or make a good run. And if you don't have a zonal guy, the, the guy who gets, you know, you know, who loses his defender via a pick gets an, an absolutely open run. Right and so actually well, i just
1: want to point out like in this it, it, to your point like the guy who's standing right in front of the goalkeeper yeah i mean i would love to be that guy yeah nobody's inside of me it's there's the there's
0: definition there's, of a zone, guy. there's Dubs. nobody who's going to be able to bump him
1: there's nobody yes. he can he can do two yes. things dave he can run near post and try yes. to do something he can all of a sudden drop drop back to the back post yes like this yes. he, yes. the world is his oyster man
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> when have you ever seen anybody instruct the except for on professional stupid zonal marking for somebody to leave a guy in goal side to yeah. step inside the 6 yard box <sighs> what what what's that all about and that's how you know it's zonal marking right cuz you might say oh he's on that guy but you know it's zonal because if it was anywhere man to man he'd yeah. be goal side well no i
1: th- i mean i think that is the signal you look for right there's a guy that's like at least within a, a, a couple feet from him with his hips turned you know, identifying the guy is hey, this is my guy. So, even like number seven, you might argue that whoever's at the top of the six could have him because he's got his hips turned a little bit. He's going to play number Hernandez. seven. Hernandez might have that guy, but you know, I'd, I'd have to see the play unfold whether he's actually paying attention to him. Uh, but clearly, nobody's marking the guy in front of the goalkeeper. Those three are set up to your point to be at least three of them, four of them, four of them clearly zone for them. Be are clearly with you, I
0: don't think that the average player in any soccer team, not our team, not anything is smart enough to play zone in this situation. Yeah. The, the only way you do it is if you're smart enough to be like, not only am I starting in this zone, but my whole point of this is to actually get to this yeah. area and to match up out of it. But in this case, you know, they don't do it. And you know, it's so easy to overload this. All you have to do is put two or three guys in one spot and we kids, Shinu, we'll mark them with one. <laughs> it's it's like, you know. As you say, <laughs> that, overload the zone. As you
1: say, this. There's two things I know. Yeah. I, if I was ever coached yeah. to play zone defense on a corner kick, I mm-hmm. didn't follow instructions, and I've never no, pla- it didn't exist when you were. And I and and I've never played zone on a corner ever. I there's always a man I'm accountable for. Yeah. In my, at least in my mind, yeah. I might be too mm-hmm. fat and old to keep up with him. but yeah, right. uh, you know, I'm gonna at least give it my best. Right. Um, But
0: here's the ultimate irony, right? So one of the players at the top of the, at the penalty spot does actually get picked off. I think maybe it's even Sosa. And um, so one of the new England players breaks free and runs towards the near post. And if you notice, if there's anything our zone is designed to do is to have three guys who are dressing that near post run and are going to win the ball, right? So you would think that one of those zonal markers would go win the ball the ball drops just outside the six-yard box, and New England gets a free header. Mikey Dobbs, can you? I mean, if you see where we're starting here, can you imagine a near post run just outside the six-yard box? than them winning the ball. All right, because if, <laughs> we have three players closer to that spot. Because than they do. if you
1: are going to play zone defense, if that's your thing, then. You're damn well better get to the ball first. And yes. where are we best positioned to get to the ball first right now, Dave? Near
0: post. Okay. Yeah. So. So there's that. Do you want to move on? Or you uh, want to so sp- actually, I wonder if they, I think they must probably have it. Go to the go to the 16th uh, minute and the actual highlights, because that's where that was, the 16th
1: minute. 16th.
0: Yeah, it was pretty early. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, right there it about is. there. I was yeah. just, yeah, go ahead there. Uh, that was just after oh. it. That was the, re- Went to the replay of it a little further yeah yeah play it good enough <laughs> so watch where they get the free header
1: see this is not me trying to do this doing it while trying to talk is just uh oh there we go off the post was that was that close to another goal
0: carmen uh, it, yeah. well look very at it. close <laughs> look at where close. he heads the ball from he was wide open well, it's a free free header. <laughs> it's a free header and it's right to where we had three players yeah. standing. <laughs> oh Oh, woodwork thank you and we get the woodwork again a lot of woodwork
1: in this game that's at least two so now
0: we're talking about a third terrible thing that we haven't addressed and once again it should have been a goal right so you know if you're Pineda after this game you're like oh maybe we deserve better the answer is no no we didn't deserve better because we should have given up three goals on those situations for the same three mistakes we've been making all season right i mean it's a it's a ultimately it's a fitting way to you know to go after it right so all right all right so
1: we've subbed in the people we talked about earlier
0: and in the 75th minute he goes to the second sub right um let's see um
1: sosa came off right
0: morena and wiley were on for sosa and araujo yeah so, he brings on two more attackers, Moreno and Wiley, right? And my notes, which were taken contemporaneously. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Love that word, by the way. And Big the 70th, word. Bring it. 75th <laughs> minute. And said, let's just bring on all the attackers and pray. No need to worry about winning the ball back or having any balance, right? And... Indeed, you know, because we're down one nothing at this point, right? And because of the, the dang penalty kick, right? And so in the 81st minute, Martinez, bless his heart, scores what I happen to think is maybe the best goal in history. And so let's go to that first, right? I mean, because if those of you, anybody who hasn't seen it, go to YouTube and, and just play this oh, clip boy, over, oh, boy, and yeah. over and over and over yeah. and over and over. Plays it out to Lennon wide, Lennon crosses. I mean,
1: it is straight up nasty. At this point, I had given up on the game, which stinks because I missed it. In like real time, I had to look up and watch the replay. Joseph. Yeah. So I kind of missed the, the bang of it.
0: Okay, so I have something to say about this. You know what this is? What's that? You know how many goals we've scored off of crosses in the season.
1: Oh, now is that the third from Lennon? Second. <laughs> it's a
0: second by the team right. all season. And, <laughs> and let's
1: not say that wasn't an easy one either. <laughs> yeah, it was a great finish. It wasn't an yeah, easy. Don't one. you think you're going to score that yeah. one every time, yeah. Mikey Dobbs? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it's funny on Twitter. And you know
0: what? The funny thing I said is when we are talking about this all season, I'm like, you know, the problem is Lennon's crossing to nobody who can finish. I said the only one who finishes that is occasionally Martinez will do something spectacular and score a great goal. And people think, oh, Martinez can score off that. He doesn't really routinely score after that. He scores the occasional spectacular goal off that. It's a header yeah. where he skies or it's, you know, in that case, like a bicycle kick. Oh, but silly. most of the goals that he scores our ball's on the ground yeah. where he got it through the middle.
1: You don't see a lot of bicycles like that where it's pure foot and oh, just ripped in where the goalkeeper on this. Like, the goalkeeper, it's beautiful, like, with the Wayne Rooney one and this one where he just watches it. Watch. He's just like, oh, oh. my God. He All he did, he literally looked in the back of the net. That's, so That's nice. how fast it happened because it was just raw power on that. And on the Twitter uh, universe. Yep there was uh, people when people were calling it a bicycle kick saying oh no that's a scissors kick and come on first off it was in between a scissors kick and a bicycle <laughs> kick technically okay. so cool. you know what the winner goes to it right. goes to bicycle kick oh, yeah you know oh, when scary. you're half upside down and he was definitely in that it's more three quarters, it was
0: yeah. it was like a, you know with that psh-
1: Sixty degree angle, yeah. so I'm gonna call it a bike, Dave. I
0: was gonna go a seventy five degree angle, yeah. but you know, I, it was yeah, it's definitely in sorry. between the ninety and the fifty. So <laughs> I keep playing this and over 45. and over again. Well, yeah, you Just, just, so just pretty. let it Oh, that's so nice. A that's goal. a
1: bicycle kick. I'm sorry. If that yeah. if I ever did that, that's definitely bicycle kick all day long. That's not a scissors kick. Even I a mean, scissors kick is almost as hard, if not harder, than a bicycle kick to some degree. Mm-hmm. So.
0: All right. So and one of the things I wanna point out, which we you know can't show in clips or whatever, but the guy who's creating absolutely everything, including that goal, um, Moreno. Right? Mm-hmm. Moreno's the one who fed the beautiful See, ball it ain't to ain't So Lennon. my favorite player. Right. When Lennon comes in off the besides when, Almada at this point, but Moreno when Moreno comes in off the bench, he was by far the best player on the field for the last 15, 20 minutes. You think? The guy who
1: scored the most goals during the first third of the season and then just was mysteriously benched. He didn't forget how to play well. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, right? And this is what I said, you know, about... So we have to win this game, right? You're Pernita, you know you have to win this game, right? And, you know, there's a tendency when you're down, you got to win the game, is you got to throw everything on, right? If you're a coach, don't do that, right? It never works, right? When you come back... It's not saying that you can't push an extra guy forward. You still have to have balance. Any team that ever comes back, you get the goal by pushing maybe occasional an extra guy forward or bringing in an extra attacking player. Then you get the momentum, right? But you keep the balance, right? And that's how you run. You know, those games where somebody suddenly comes back and scores three goals in a row, it's not because they brought on four forwards. It almost never happens. Uh,
1: Again, I, I hate to keep bringing up the EPL, but you watch it. Nothing much changes in the back. Those guys are all there playing defense. They just know how to, like, recycle it back up because it always happens naturally the last 10 minutes of these games anyway where, like, you know, they're going to park the bus and whatever. But, yeah, you got to bring in the players who are going to be able to break down that, that defense um, creatively. And, and so, yeah, I, I still feel like you still have to have that core in the back.
0: So can you guess... <laughs> How we're going to give up the last goal. Uh,
1: Honestly, I don't remember because yeah. it just happened, and I went and ate my pork that I made on that big great green egg that I was telling you about.
0: So it comes off Mikey Dobbs, an offensive corner. <laughs> How many people do we have back, Dave? <laughs> How many people do you think we left back? One. Let's Is, go to the let, clip. I can't wait to see this. Let's go to the clip do you know
1: what minute it is i mean and there is there is a there is a youtube video that i posted f- from some of the clicks clips from our last podcast where uh it was criminal by Paneda to make that decision and here it is again but it was even more criminal okay. in that last game so where things really mattered game. in that toronto game it was really criminal yeah in this game we are, you know, the playoffs are already really out of. I mean, yeah,
0: but it just goes to show you, like, even when when you think it'd be on. Oh, they didn't show they it where it comes from. Oh, the
1: but there so they go.
0: It, it looks like we were clearing it or whatever, but.
1: Oh, uh, that guy was able to get it done that time.
0: So, you know who the one guy back was?
1: No, is that? A Marsetic off the bench? No, because he,
0: he was on the <laughs> bench. They left Cosetu as the only guy, yeah. only defender back.
1: The same strategy. Say, they're like whoever that
0: position whoever is, is the worst defender on the team. Yeah, we're gonna put him back. That's right? smart. That's yeah. real smart. So what happens here is they get a counterattack, and you can see it's they make a mess of it. Right, nobody wins the ball, and they're able to come, you know, clear. And um, you know, God bless. Parata, who Parata's been scoring all the goals. I mean, talk about heart that guy has. Yeah, He's the first guy back. He sprinted from the six-yard box where he was, and he ends up as the furthest guy back up the field. And people will blame him because he actually gets beat at the very end of this play. But God bless him. He sprinted back. From the entire field, right? Yeah. So he ends up, that guy who's trying to make the play, and he goes, but you know why he runs by him yeah. at the end right there? At the very end, there's a cutback, and the guy scores. You know why he does that? Because he's just run 114 Yeah, yards. You don't think
1: he's got the stamina to really hold his ground there? And no. and deal with that cutback. You're saying no. okay, not
0: after you run yeah. hundred. No, because now
1: we've got him labeled as Air Juan. That's his main job, yeah. not to defend. And that's
0: fine. And and you, of course, you're one one. You got to score. Yeah. There, he absolutely yeah. has to be in the. No, I, I'm box. with you there.
1: I'm with you there. But point being is why is just Jose Tu back? Same right. situation.
0: And it, you know, the funny thing is, you say, "All right, well, we should be going for it." But here's two things about that. And here's why that comment is BS. So first of all, as we pointed out, we had the exact same formation when we shouldn't have been going for it when we were up 3-2, right, in the Toronto game, right? We never should have done it there. And so it has nothing to do with us going for it. That's our formation, right? That's just period. And so if you're – that's the first thing you say about Pineda is – If you don't have any situational anything, you might say, look, maybe we should have been there in that moment, but we never should have been in the other moment. But here's my other problem with it. So many times you're going to score on a corner in two ways. One, it's crossed and Parato goes air air one and he scores, right? The other way is they get the first clearance out. They don't clear it as far and somebody comes in and gets a hit on it, right? Those guys need to be two, three, four, Guys outside the, you know, right at the top of the 18 to do that, right. right? We don't leave it. It's
1: stupid. Game, set, match, season is over. Uh, we've got NYFC, NY, how, what, there's an, another letter in their thing, right? NYCFC. Okay. Uh, well, next I have a quote Sunday. for you.
0: Wait, I have a quote for you first. Yeah. So I wrote it down because I thought we needed to hear it. So Pineda was asked after the game about Joseph Martinez yeah. and why he didn't start. Right. Want to hear it? I do want to hear it. My decision again, he said.
1: It's a multitude of factors or something?
0: We coaches, we live and die by our decisions. We have, as you can imagine, way more information throughout the week, the season, on players. And we make decisions based on that, based on what we see day by day in training sessions. At times, I can make great decisions. At times, I cannot. So we're talking about how good of a performance we have had in the last three games, and no one asked those questions. But today, we lose, and I can imagine people at this moment ask those questions. And what I want to say to you, Pineda, you and I, Mikey Dobbs, we've been asking those questions even during the wins. We could see that it was not working. Yep. Yep. Right? You can't just say we've had a couple of good results. It wasn't because we fixed anything. Right. We, we gave right? ourselves
1: a very hard time during the four to two Toronto game. Like that game was just as yes. dicey as we this one. We talked
0: about it on the podcast. Right. And that's the point. Right. If you can't see it and you think suddenly a good set of results are coming because we have fixed anything and you haven't fixed it, then it's going to collapse again. Right, You have to be able to fix something by actually changing something successfully, not by having just a couple of fluky things start to go for you. It's not a way to coach.
1: Carmen, where's that fire button? Come on. He's heating up. He's on fire. There we go. So that's all Dave has to say about that. That's all I have to say. All right. So... Yeah, we are looking forward to 2023 with a coach that, you know, I it, it, this really is difficult. I'm not going to lie. This is tough as uh, doing this podcast because this was never how we took the narrative of any other podcast, which is really just breaking down the issue being coaching versus, you know, other players and and things that are mixed into the equation.
0: We've had some moments where the squad was really a problem. Yeah. And yeah, with the Breck Shea days,
1: Uh, but (laughs) yeah, but yeah, this, this is um, really troubling as a fan and we're not here on the podcast to, to, to not be fans of the team, but it's really disheartening with what we're seeing and no signs of, Change. I mean, we've rounded out the season. Like, if you're going to make any dramatic changes as a coach when the writing's on the wall, like, it's just not going to happen in 2023. I hate to say Yeah,
0: the change that he made that he thinks worked was he brought, instead of having all of our attacking options on, he balanced it a little bit, right? And so he had, instead of, you know, having Moreno on the field, instead of having Joseph Martinez on the field, he had Sadich on the field. He had Cisneros, who he thinks, even though Cisneros are forward or Dom Dwyer, his point being that they're more of a team player and they're more defensive, right? And even though they don't score, they help us win because they're actually creating pressure, right? It's just BS, Mikey Dobbs, because we don't create pressure with those no. guys and win the ball up the field anyway. And the problem is he's never realized that... You have to win the ball up the field. This system is the same system that Schmeitzer plays in Seattle, right? And to be honest with you, it doesn't fit the modern game at all. The modern game, when you win games, you turn the ball over up the field. If you're Klopp, if you're, you know, all those guys are copying Guardiola and Klopp. and. You know, we're not, (laughs) right? Um, And what they have realized is that the easiest way to score goals is to only break down one or two players when they're not set, right? And this system is designed 100% not to do that. Right and and he, the, the the ironic part about it is Pineda has talked a lot of the season about you know getting pressure and he was mad that the guys weren't getting pressure. Start with the system. The system is not designed for pressure at all. You cannot pressure off the tactics that he's using.
1: So Dave, we're thirty three games through the MLS season. Yeah, everybody who's in the MLS has played thirty three games. Yep. do you want to dig into the data and ask the data any questions uh, of? Where players stand, where the teams netted out.
0: Well, uh, I will say, you know, so we finished with 10 wins, 13 losses, and 10 ties. Okay. In our, uh, and we had 47 goals for and 52 against. In our title winning side, right, you know, in 2018, right, we finished with 69 points. We had 21 wins, right. Uh, six losses and seven ties, right? We scored 70 and gave up 44. Wow, so we are a
1: long way. That from is there. a mountain to climb, my friend. Yes,
0: you know, I just went back with and I a team because... that uh, it,
1: every one of these people keep blaming it on the injuries, man. It just the drives me nuts, nothing nuts man. Nothing to do with it. No, nope. if you're listening to this podcast, it had nothing to do with With the injuries.
0: You could maybe argue that if you didn't win the Supporters' Shield and you only finished second or third, maybe you say, all right, we didn't pick up points in the early part of the season when we suddenly lost Robinson and whatever. That was the key loss. Right. Right before we were able to, you know, nail it down with Prada or even the game before we, we signed Godinho when we, you know, all you had was Rios Novo. yeah, Right? So you would say, okay, you know, yeah, those there was injuries a, would cost us a couple. There was a
1: tough little window there, right? right. I, I agree with that. There was a tough three to four game stretch. But first
0: of all, or every you, team, has that every second of all that's only going to cost you a few points
1: exactly so that's my point is like come out with one point maybe if you're lucky two three points in that yeah but um yeah to to blame that on where we ended up this season is uh yeah i'll take a little more splash of that (laughs) is is yeah it's it's hiding under a rock um so
0: what do you think so do you want to have a whole nother podcast about... So I presume you're on the side of Fire Pineda.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point... Because the thing is, we are... You talk about a mountain to climb. We're at rock bottom. I think the fans right now are seasoned with enough bullcrap that's happened in the last two and a half years, right? That Like to say that you're keeping Pineda around for the sake of stability is stupid. We don't need stability. We don't have stability. Now we have a shitty situation losing. Stability. And so, right. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the fans, I don't think are going to care at all. If you fire Pineda, so long as to your point, Dave, you have a better solution. Yeah. yeah. So let's find a better solution and then, then make, which is what pissed me off so much about them panicking and announcing that they're going to stick with Pineda after Eros come Right. Because it was, that was more of a PR thing than the front office using its brain It was like, oh, we've got a battle between Martinez and the coach. we got to let the coach win here. So we're going to show the coach that we're backing him. He's our guy for 2023 because we need stability. Crazy, crazy decisions based on Cannon or whoever who was in that conference room that was like, we need to come out with a statement and say that Pineda's our guy. Right. No one cares, Cannon. We're 12th in the table at this point or whatever we are. Right. We're as bad as you get when you have all this talent right. that you invested in forty million and
0: usually when you, you back the guy is when you're like if the team's not good enough but you like you want it, but you got a guy who people like and you're like we can recruit off of him and so you back him to say look you can come here and he's gonna be here if he's the guy who's got some insider you know um, connections to those players nobody's coming here for Pineda nobody. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. And so why back the guy for that? Correct. No, yeah. I mean, even with Frank De
1: Boer, you would say, yeah, there's there's good reasons players would have come to play under him. He had success at Ajax, you know. He he knows the game. Um right. he's he's no you know, it's just yeah, he's no Tata, but come on.
0: Right. Oh, <sighs> So Just
1: trying to find the silver lining We can go
0: through. I have a whole analysis of all the coaches. I don't think we're going to do it now, but do you want to talk about... So I think that we should fire the coach if and only we have the better replacement. Right. I have two names who I think would be better who are available.
1: Let's briefly go into it, yeah. yeah.
0: So one is the obvious one, Tata Martino.
1: Yeah, which I don't think is going to happen. I, I mean, we'd, all, uh, we'd love it to happen. Uh, well, a couple things. A, I think he's happy to go out, um, on, on a winning note on a club. He's going to probably be pretty exhausted coming off the world cup with Mexico in terms of just the expectations. I mean, it is a big, a big opportunity for Mexico. They've got a good generation of players They haven't had the best lead up to the world cup.
0: Yeah. Everybody keeps getting injured, (laughs) but not his fault. Yeah.
1: Not his fault. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, it, the other thing was that he wanted to spend more time with his family, and that was clearly stated by him that's in Argentina. And coaching for a national team where, like, the day-to-day rigor is less, that was afforded to him with the, the Mexico national team. I also imagine the flight back from Mexico City or wherever he does his coaching is a little faster to Argentina than where, uh, where his family is. So I just, uh, reading the tea leaves, I just don't think it's going to happen.
0: But he's had, like, four years Of spending time with his family and having all that downtime. I think he's probably not tired, even though there is a lot of stress on this World Cup. International coaching is a pretty cushy job. You don't do much. So,
1: who's ringing? So, this is the other reason I don't think it's who's ringing him up? Carlos Bocanegra? Yeah, they're not friends. Hey. (laughs) I mean, who's the guy? We don't have a president yet, which leads me to, yeah, the other thing is like, who's our president at this point? Don't have one. Who should be before we get to talk about the coach? Like who's our president?
0: I don't know. I I don't know enough about the people at that level. Yeah, I
1: don't know anything about those people at that level. And should it be a European person that's got experience? Should it be another MLS person with experience? But I'm very worried that anybody wants that job right now. There's a lot. That's a high pressure job for an organization that has the best fan base in MLS. With situation where you're at rock bottom you better get it right
0: so the other coach who i think is available and would come and looks good to me is diego coca so diego coca is originally from argentina Mm. um he played had a very successful career with many argentine teams River Plate, Argentine Juniors, right? He also played a little bit in Spain with Deportivo Español, and uh, he played a little bit in Mexico uh, with Atlas. Um, he finished his career at Banfield in Argentina. So he has been coaching since the year that he left playing so he clearly loves coaching yeah he has won and won and won and won mostly at tiny little clubs where he didn't really have a big chance he got his first big chance um in 2020 with atlas right he won the title in year two in mexico in year one in mexico he won the title in year two in mexico he got off to a mediocre start in year three and they sacked him i'll take him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um so he has Argentina connections to Spanish um yeah
1: and- I like that because the, the the worst thing that could happen is and and this is the, another thing I'm worried about with Atlanta is losing that credibility with Argentina which is you know at least how we're still designed to bring younger players in which I personally love like I I, would rather be that the equation of just the balance of things, of bringing in young, exciting players like Almada, yeah. that we can move, move on. Um, I don't know how sustainable that is. Maybe it worked the first two, three seasons for Atlanta United. Maybe in, But you have to have that lifeline of belief for a player to really want to come come to Atlanta, Atlanta United. Unless Arthur's bank check just matters so much, it doesn't really matter, which is kind of – what seemed to happen with Almada is he's like, I don't want to go to Atlanta United. Like, it doesn't matter. You're going anyway because Atlanta United <laughs> is going to pay us all this money. Right. So maybe we don't need it. I, I don't know.
0: So Atlas, which is his previous coaching position in Mexico, he won the title with, with Atlas in 2021, Apertura, right? Do you know when their last title was, Mikey Dobbs?
1: I'm going to go 1987, Dave.
0: It's nineteen fifty one. Oh, damn. Only a couple decades <laughs>
1: only a couple couple decades
0: off. Who fires the coach after winning the title Yeesh. since nineteen fifty-one, right? He wins the title and then he gets off to a mediocre start in the next year and they sack him. Yeah. You're like, huh. <laughs> um, you've had a long time without titles. Don't you think you'd want to see whether he could do it again? I mean, I mean, Mexico is notorious for this. They're just sacking people left and right. But um, anyway, he would have certainly connections. It would have the respect of the South American players, right, Um, for sure. And he has had a title winning. He's won with a major division title with a mediocre side. And he had a whole history of all these little clubs that he's done amazingly well with. He's won with every team he's had.
1: I like it. But again doesn't seem like enough people are listening to the podcast dave but for you guys who are listening we so much appreciate it to be honest
0: with you i don't know really anything about him personality wise and that's a big thing you know i, I so i'm not suggesting we necessarily hire him maybe he's a total jerk and a loose cannon or whatever yeah. but he's certainly someone i would look into is based on his record alone i actually think we put so much into who people are and whatever and mostly you are who your record is right yep. now there's there's circumstances right so you know if you're coaching the worst team, you know, in a division, and yeah. you, you know, you like even amazing. Frank
1: DeBoer when he went to the English team, yeah. it was, or it was the
0: Cardiff, yeah, yeah, when it he was got sacked after <laughs> a few games. That was lousy. Yeah, yeah, Come on. yeah. I
1: mean, you can't really use that as ammo.
0: No, uh, I agree with you, and and so there is, you have to do some, you know, assessment. But you know, you want coaches, <laughs> you know, you want coaches who win. Yeah that um, helps that helps
1: it's it's a good thing to have yeah all right dave anything else you want to get into
0: um yeah i mean did you watch the the man united man city game <laughs>
1: i Ugh. did not watch it live i watched the highlights uh Erling Holland th- hat trick and two. you know assists. when I
0: said that Erling Holland was going to score 50 goals and you were like mm, that sounds like a lot maybe
1: I don't think that I, <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you were talking to me uh, I really yeah. don't I think you're mixing we'll things up back and at the I'm day. a Holland like I I, I yeah. think I'd be shooting for 60 I don't see me pushing back on your number there
0: <laughs> I think you said oh maybe like you're like and, and in fairness to you Right, you know Is this so, on one of the podcasts? Yeah, on the podcast. All right, so, Carmen, I, keep me
1: it, on keep I think Dave's going to his imagination here. <laughs> All right. I'll have to do some research. Yeah. See what was uh, actually said. But
0: you know, in fairness to you, right? So the leading scorer in the Premier League typically scores twenty. So to say someone's gonna yeah. score fifty is pretty What's ridiculous. he at fourteen now?
1: Uh, so far in the season? Fourteen goals.
0: He scored hat tricks in his last three games. Yeah, He's, huh. got, uh. he's got
1: fourteen goals. Uh, he's
0: of nature. Yeah,
1: he's <laughs> already beaten Luis Suarez for more goals than U- U- UCL play. Yeah. Already this early on in his career.
0: Well, the thing about Man City is that. They had a team that just creates and creates and creates, and they lacked the fulcrum, you know, the person who could really just finish it all off. They now have the best finisher in the world, and maybe I would say the best player in the world. Yeah. And he's just having a field day. It's just buckets worth of goals. Yeah. I mean,
1: there was a play where somebody slotted him straight up the middle, and it was just it was the most impressive, like just shielding and just just shrugged the guy off on a kind of just a delayed slotted pass right up the middle of the top of the 18 and he just shields the guy and kind of like turns and just slams it in the goal. You're like, how is that happen at that level of soccer that a defender can just get muscled by a guy like that is. It, 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 yeah. There's just more of that, more of it's coming. It's unless that guy gets injured, not going to what? Cause I love watching it. I, so I'm not our, a Man City fan, but I love
0: watching so it. So, our friends, Men and Blazers, were suggesting a new series of rules. Yeah. <laughs> erling holland has to play with phil foden on his back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh after he scores his first goal all of his yeah. goals have to be scored with yeah. his buttocks I, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think foden right now has a lot to be happy for that he's got yeah. erling holland oh, as his teammate geez. because it's making him look way better well than he's he is. a good
0: yeah. player and he's got good movement but he's a little on the undersized player. He can be knocked around. I don't think he's a lead the line kind of guy, but when he's playing off of Erling Holland and Erling Holland is getting all the attention, he's going to score 25 goals too, right? Because he's made for that role. He's, he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just don't think that he's a special lead the line. Like people are like, Oh, make him the star of England. And I'm like, I would love to say Kane, you know, leading the line and Foden playing off of him. That's the same combination. Let Kane take all the physicality and all the attention and Foden get in the little gaps behind him. That's a really good combo. Yeah. Have you all
1: heard on social media, they're talking about the Holland factor that they should do at the World Cup? No. <laughs> they say, of course, it's a joke, but they're saying that a team one time during the whole World Cup can like pull some lever and get Eric Holland helicoptered and dropped in yeah. to play for your team for half an hour. Nice. So you just so we can see him in the World They're Cup, we don't know. Pull that lever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> pull it. I'm pulling again. Pull wait, it again. Wait, coach, I pull it again. There's yeah, nothing happening.
1: I know, but just the fact he won't be in the World Cup, it's, it's uh, like, oh, darn it. Yeah, it's depressing.
0: I heard the jokes about who's better, the country of Holland or Erling Holland, <laughs> <laughs> the entire team. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You would definitely give up three or four Dutch players for, for one, Oh, yeah, I'd give up the whole yeah. Dutch team. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, world cup is going to be around the corner soon. We're going to do some yes. po- podcasts, uh, through the world cup. We've got the final game of the season. We'll do a season ending recap. I'm sure as, as part of the podcast future here. Yep. Um, and, uh, Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of podcasts hopefully we'll be able to do through the winter and maybe actually get the fire going here.
0: Yeah, we'll have that for Thanksgiving, you know, because the first game is the Monday of Thanksgiving week. Yeah, The second U.S. game is the day after Thanksgiving, and the third game is the Tuesday following Thanksgiving Thursday. So you pig out on Thursday Thanksgiving, you're like, that Friday is always like, what am I going to do except for shop at like whatever hour. But after you've shopped at whatever hour, and you come home and take a nap, 2 o'clock, World Cup.
1: So, yeah, I'm thinking about having a big party here on uh, the the England. That sounds terrible. England-US game.
0: (laughs) I mean, great. Because I think
1: it's a a pretty early game.
0: All Uh, the games are at 2.
1: Yeah, 2 o'clock. So, get here, play some cornhole. I'm in. Get the grill going. So, emails come. Okay. Sorry, listeners, you're not invited. <laughs>
0: and on that note, I was about to say, no, you're all invited. You're all invited you're to all the. Invited. We, we could do we a have lot of fan podcasts. appreciation day. Yeah, <laughs> good call.
1: <laughs> all right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.